Thank you. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 22. And I've chosen, as you can tell this morning, uh, not to deal so much from a text that deals with the triumphal entry or Palm Sunday, uh, but deal with something that happened later in the week, which is uh, the first observance of the Lord's Supper. We're going to focus today on the death of Christ. I told you last week that in our preparations for Easter, I'm going to take you three places. Last week we went to the Mount of Transfiguration. This morning we're going to go to the upper room. And then next Sunday we're going to go to the empty tomb. So that is what is before us. If you'll uh, give careful attention to the reading of this portion of God's word, Luke 22, verses 7 through 20. Then came the first day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, so that we may eat it. And they said to him, Where do you want us to prepare it? And he said to them, When you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house that he enters. And you shall say to the owner of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large, furnished, upper room. Prepare it there. And they left and found everything just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. When the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. When he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of the one betraying me is is with mine on the table. That is God's word. Father, thank you so much for your word. And we thank you for the way in which it speaks uh, to our hearts. And I pray that this text this morning would impress upon us again the wonder and the splendor, the reality, the sacrifice of Christ for us. And I pray that it would draw out from us a deeper love for him greater sense of thanks and appreciation to him and even more full commitment to him. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the central focus, of course, of Jesus' life and ministry is his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. And so this week, as Buddy referred to in his prayer, this week, The week that the church knows as Holy Week uh, really is the very heart of the Christian faith. The Apostle Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance 
that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's why Jesus came. That is why Jesus came from heaven to earth. Jesus came to die on the cross to forgive the sins of his people. He did that by his crucifixion, by his bodily sacrifice on the cross. Now, the crucifixion did not just happen. The crucifixion is not some kind of spiritual oops. It just happened when God wasn't paying attention. God planned the crucifixion. And what happened during this holy week, and what happened on Good Friday, and what happened on Easter Sunday, happened just the way the sovereign God planned for it to happen. You know, John 3.16 tells us God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And He gave Him to us to be our Redeemer. And He did that again through dying on the cross. And God sent His Son to do a very specific thing. In fact, if you can come to Acts chapter 2, when Peter is preaching the first gospel sermon as we know it, on the day of Pentecost. And he is... Preaching the gospel. He says in verse 23. This man. That is Jesus. This man. Delivered over by the predetermined plan. And foreknowledge of God. You nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men. And put him to death. The crucifixion of Christ came by the predetermined plan. Of God. And Jesus knew that plan. He understood what being the Savior was going to involve for him. Stephen mentioned it in Sunday school, and and Stephen's Sunday school lesson, for those of you here, is going to tie in beautifully with the sermon this morning. Because in Luke 9.51, we're told that Jesus was determined to go to Jerusalem. The, The Greek literally says he resolutely set his face to go to Jerusalem. It's almost like a horse in a race that's got his blinders on and he's not going to be distracted by anything until he gets to the finish line. And from that point on, that's the way Jesus was. Because he knew the next time he arrived at Jerusalem exactly what would happen to him. He had told his disciples about it. We're going to go to Jerusalem. Son of Man is going to suffer many things from the scribes and the elders and the chief priests. He'll be crucified. And then on the third day, he'll be raised from the dead. Now, the Bible tells us that even though the disciples heard those things, they didn't understand it. But Jesus understood it. Jesus grasped it. And so it's almost... From Luke 9 all the way through, that he's on something of a death march, making his way with determination, resolutely making his way to Jerusalem, knowing that he was on his way to the cross. Now, in our text in Luke 22, it is now Thursday of Passion Week, or the last week of Jesus' life. Of course, Jesus had arrived in Jerusalem a few days before. 
four days before, on the Sunday before, on what we know as Palm Sunday. Our children have kind of given us a, a taste of that. You know what happened on that day. Uh, Jesus came riding into the city of Jerusalem on a colt or a, on a donkey. And, and, and the crowds began to become excited about what was taking place. So excited that they took palm branches, cut them down, and, and waved them as, uh, before him as they came riding along, putting them down on the path, taking off their coats, laying them down in front of Jesus to ride along. They were hailing him as the Savior, as the Redeemer. Although they didn't see their need to be redeemed from sin. They wanted to be set free from Rome. And they thought Jesus was coming to deliver them from their oppression from the Roman government. And they were hailing him, even using Old Testament scripture, as he came riding into the city of Jerusalem. And the first thing Jesus did was go to the, to, to the temple. But he didn't go there to worship. He went there, and he went there in a rage. Turning over the tables of the money changers. Driving out those who were desecrating the place of worship. And so the enthusiasm of the people began to wane somewhat. It's an odd week. Jesus would come into the city of Jerusalem during the day. He would leave at night, go to Bethany. Bethany was about two miles outside of Jerusalem. He would come back in the next day, and he was in and around the temple teaching. Teaching the people, and he was castigating the scribes and the Pharisees, attacking them for their formality, for their character, and for the way they had distorted the Old Testament scriptures. And if you go back to Luke chapter 19, there's a very interesting uh, two verses. In verses 47 48, it kind of talks about the, the different opinions of Jesus during that week where it says he was teaching daily in the temple. But the chief priests and scribes and leading men among the people were trying to destroy him. And they could not find anything that they might do. And he goes on to say, For all the people were hanging on to every word that he said. The disciples were with Jesus. The people are listening to his words, hanging on to what he was saying. The Jewish authorities are watching for some way to destroy him. And their plans are helped when one of Jesus' own disciples, Judas, goes to them and says, What will you pay me to turn him over to you? And betrayed him. And they made a deal. When Judas came back to the disciples... He was simply waiting for an opportunity to turn Jesus over to the authorities. And now Jesus spent Wednesday of that week, for the most part, in seclusion. Just him and the twelve. Because he knew what was coming. 
and he was preparing himself and praying, preparing them for his death. And that brings us to our text this morning, where we find Jesus and the disciples in what we know as the upper room. Now, this room, this upper room, appears to have been quite significant for them. It's where they had the Last Supper. It's the same room, we assume, to which the disciples went after the resurrection. Uh, they went there to gather, and that's the place where Jesus appeared to them after his resurrection. It's also the room, we're told, in Acts chapter 1, where uh, the followers of Jesus gathered uh, after Jesus' ascension to wait upon the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so this is, a, this is an important room in the uh, unfolding of redemptive history because here they observe the last Passover and the first Lord's Supper. And Jesus is here trying to give them a sense of what was about to come. It was the day when the Jews were to observe the Passover. That annual event began the week-long observance of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And so Jesus sent two of his disciples, uh, Peter and John, into the city of Jerusalem to prepare a place for them where they could observe the Passover together. The only problem was they didn't know of a place. And so they asked Jesus, where do you want us to go? Where should we prepare? And Jesus says, well, when you go into the city, you're going to see a man there carrying a pitcher of water. You follow him, and when he goes to the house, you find the owner, and you tell the owner, the teacher needs a place to observe the Passover, and he will show you a large unfurnished room, a large furnished room where you can prepare the Passover for us. And you might wonder how it would be that out of all the people, there were millions of people you see in Jerusalem during the Passover, how would it be that they would identify this one man they were to follow to this house? Well, it wouldn't be that hard. Because Jesus told them to look for a man who would be doing something very unusual. You see, men didn't carry water pitchers in that day. They didn't carry the clay jars of water. It was the women who carried the water pitchers. And so when they saw this man doing what was not custom, Mary, for a man to do, they would say, that's him. And so they followed him to the house. They did what Jesus had instructed them to do, and it unfolded just as Jesus said it would. And so they had the place, and they prepared the Passover for them. Now the Passover, of course, was one of the major Jewish festivals or ceremonies. It commemorated the night of the tenth plague, remember, when the death angel went through the land of Egypt and the firstborn of every household in Egypt was put to death. That is, in every household except where there was blood the blood of a lamb that had been smeared on the doorpost of the house. And on that awful night, and you have to realize what an awful night it was, when every household in Egypt lost the firstborn child, that death angel passed over 
every home of the Israelites because they had slain a lamb and covered their doorpost with it. And that became an annual observance for the Jews to observe the Passover. And there were specific things they were to do because at their first Passover, they weren't just supposed to sacrifice the lamb. They were to be packed and ready for a trip and all the rest. And there were certain herbs that would be done in a certain way. So Jesus here is going to Jerusalem to observe the Passover with his disciples. And when he gathered with them, look with me at verse uh, 15 where he says, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Now Jesus had observed the Passover with his disciples before. But he's saying to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you. And Jesus knew that this would be the last Passover. Not just the last Passover for him, but the last Passover. Because what he was about to do in the next 24 hours was going to fulfill everything the Passover anticipated. And all the lambs that had been slain through all the years, and all the blood that had been shed, all those times was going to find its fulfillment in the sacrifice of Jesus. And so he says, Look, I have earnestly desired to do this. Because Jesus knew that was what his Father had sent him to do. And what did Jesus say? I came not to do my own will, but the will. Of him who sent me. Everything the Passover anticipated and foreshadowed was about to be fulfilled in Jesus' suffering and death on the cross. And so they proceeded through the the ritual of the Passover. We're not given all the details. The gospel writers don't give us all the details of what the disciples did. But they went through the traditional, usual Passover experience. But when you come to verse 19, Jesus changed the liturgy of the Passover. And he took a loaf of bread in the presence of his disciples. And he broke that bread. And he said to them, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he took a cup and he held that cup in front of them. And he said to them, this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. What is Jesus doing here in the upper room? This is really one of the most dramatic places in the Bible. Where Jesus is changing the Passover into the Lord's Supper. Because no longer would the Jews do anything like offering a sacrifice to anticipate the coming of the Lamb of God. But now they would partake of bread and wine to remember the Lamb of God and what He did on their behalf. Notice what Jesus did. He took the loaf of bread and He broke it. He tore it. 
he rent it in two to symbolize the way that his body was going to be broken for the sins of his people. And notice what he says about the cup. He says, this cup is poured out for you. It is shed for you. It is given for you. And Jesus clearly in taking the bread and taking the cup is identifying the sacrifice he was about to offer and what was going to happen to his own body. You see, the, the, the blood symbolizes life, and so the pouring out of the blood symbolized his death. You remember what Jesus said in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. Stephen referred to it this morning. Paul says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do what? You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The observance of the Lord's Supper is a proclamation. It's a declaration of the death of Jesus and our understanding that his death is an atoning death. That his death is a substitutionary death. That what he endured on the cross was in my place and in your place. And he took what we deserved upon himself on the cross. Jesus is the sacrificial lamb. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Christ our Passover, or Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Don't miss the significance of Jesus taking the place of the lamb. He is the lamb of God who offers his Himself as a sacrifice for our sin. But notice that Jesus says in the text that it's in fulfillment of the old covenant and the bringing of the new covenant. This cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Matthew says this is the blood of the covenant. For the sake of time, I'm not going to turn there, but in Exodus... There's a passage where Moses has come down from the mountain and he tells the people the law God has given to him. He's, he's made a sacrifice and the sacrifice is there and the blood is there. And the people say, all that God has said and required, we will do. And Moses took the blood and he sprinkled it. He sprinkled it on the people. And said, this is the blood of the covenant. And don't you know that those disciples made that connection? When Jesus held up the cup and he said, this is the blood of the covenant. This is my blood. This is the new covenant. And everything the old covenant looked forward to and anticipated is fulfilled. sacrifice of Jesus. We have a Redeemer. He is Jesus, God's own Son, precious Lamb of God, Messiah.
Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and we thank you so much for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray now as we come to his table that you would prepare our hearts that you would speak to us by your Holy Spirit you would help us to take it right and that we would have a feast here today a feast upon the Lord Jesus Christ and that our hungry souls would be fed and our thirsty spirits would be quenched by the living bread and by the water of life we ask it in his name amen